You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 614, Mick Jagger at 80, DJs falling out at Radio 1, farewell to Randy Meisner of the Eagles, and our football predictions for next season. That's all coming up after Robert Palmer and Every Kind of People. The fight to make ends meet Keeps a man up on his feet Holding down his job Trying to show he can't be bought Who takes every kind of people Such a summery club Tropicana Mediterranean beachside feel uh, to that track. Surprisingly, mm. only thir- um, no, 53 in the UK, 16 That's in shocking. the States. Though. Yeah. yeah. From 1978, Robert Palmer and Every Kind of People. I don't think we really got Yacht Rock as much as the Americans did. I think we were quite keen on um, 
on sort of easy listening and soft rock over here, I think. But in ter- terms of sounding a bit more yachty and a bit more kind of tropical, I don't I don't think we quite connected it in the, in the way that they do in America, which is, you know, I can kind of understand. Eastbourne is not a, is not Palm Springs, <laughs> is it really? It's, it's not sure quite. Isn't. It's not quite, you know, it's not quite Miami, is it? When it comes, I mean, if you squint no. a bit, maybe. But um, yeah, so I can see why yeah. perhaps yacht didn't catch on so much over here as it did over there. But that is a, a delightful track and R.I.P. Robert Palmer. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, hello and a, and, and a big jolly welcome along to the hmm. Council. It's episode 614 with me, Terence Stackham, and a serenade by Leonardo DiCaprio and Lenny Kravitz, performances by thong-clad exotic dancers, unlimited mm. free booze, and a 3 a.m. finish. That Sunday round at Juliet's... At, no, no, wait, I, no, I, I got confused. That, that was a report on Mick Jagger's 80th birthday, not Juliet <laughs> Harris. Oh, well, thank you for making that decision. Yeah, just, I, that was, I got confused. I mean, it's it's an easy confusion yeah. confu- to make. And I have to say, I did, however, send out the save the date invites for, for my birthday drinks around the corner from me this week. Lenny Kravitz yet to reply. But anyway, oh, uh, okay. never mind. I, I, I'm hope you can, however, order your own pizzas into the pub. And I feel that's as, as much, if not more, Sounds more of a, of a draw, really. Yes, doesn't it? And mm. uh, someone's making a chocolate Guinness birthday cake. So uh, in right, your then, eye. Yeah. So I know which sounds uh, better in my view. Exactly. Yeah. In your eye, Mick Jagger. Good exactly. morning, everybody. Now, the British newspapers have featured a number of retrospective pieces about mm. Mick Jagger this week because uh, he celebrated his 80th birthday with. Uh, now, I was thinking with some famous people, you could kind of imagine them doing other jobs if they hadn't made it. You know, Springsteen as the union organiser in a New Jersey factory. Fair enough. Kate Bush running yeah. yoga classes in South London. Yes. Ring- oh, my gosh. Yes, I can totally see. You really can that. see it, can't you? Ringo working as a gardener for the local council in liverpool but i mean sting sting was an english teacher originally and you can sort of imagine he's still doing that can't you authority doesn't he yes absolutely i can see i can see liam gallagher exactly i can see liam gallagher as a train guard on his phone yeah job you know you could you this this is my new this is my he'd be the one that does the laconic and station announcements that everybody likes i'm enjoying this as a game casting <laughs> modern stars of pop i'm afraid to say i can see ed sheeran asking me if i wanted prize with that as well yeah, well, uh, yes, Never. yes but, anyway, but it's really hard to imagine mick jagger doing yes. anything else really i mean he wouldn't be plastering your ceiling would he, he i can't wouldn't. see no, him you do, i just that. can't picture him you know, but the other no. ones that were mentioned you can picture them doing those jobs there's a visualization but mick jagger nothing else and i just wondered where you stand on this jules mick jagger the greatest rock and roll front man of all time i mean it isn't it because because i was gonna say no and then i tried to think about who was better possibly freddie mercury i think mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. um or may maybe but i suppose it depends how you're defining it and i think it just goes to show how good the rolling stones were a really specific sort of thing which is rock and roll isn't it and that's that's mm. a really and sort of blues what the old-fashioned r&b isn't it before yes. before you know before the modern sort of version of that but um yeah there is like you say you can't imagine him doing anything else and i was trying to think and it, isn't it interesting as well that i was trying to think of front people that matched him and i was going back to that era i was thinking robert plant maybe but all kind of you know like you say 
I think it's probably for this type of R&B, it's between him and Plant, I think. But yeah, like you say, incredibly charismatic. And he only seems to be able to do that. I mean, the solo stuff, and there has been solo stuff, hasn't there? But nothing that's been especially enormous. Him and Bowie doing Dancing in the Street is probably the, probably the, the biggest outside of the stunned moment for him, I reckon. Yeah, I the Rolling Stones, one of those bands I've liked more as time's gone on, actually. I've never not liked them, but you and I, as regular podcast listeners know, are sort of Beatles obsessives, really. Mm. And you end up you end up becoming one or the other without really sort of meaning to, I think, sometimes. But having said that, I I think the problem, my issue with the Rolling Stones has always been that the Beatles were sensible enough to stop after about eight years after they'd made a series of really great albums and the Rolling Stones did not, as a result of which you have years and years of Rolling Stones albums that... Who owns these, Terence? So, and then people well, that own, 50 do years they listen of that. to them? Exactly. Do they listen 50 to them? Years of, um, of um, no, no, no hits. <laughs> uh, well, exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, they have they have done some. I liked Undercover of the Night from the mm. from the nineties. They've done a couple of sort of later songs that I've quite enjoyed. But um, yeah, late seventies onwards is pretty slim yeah. pickings, as you say. And they've been continue. Well, having said that, they continue to attract huge followings when they're when they're touring. Oh, my my sure. friends went to see them in Hyde Park a few years ago. We were talking about we were laughing about you know albums that don't set the world on fire and i said that one uh, one of my first memories of the being aware that you could go and see live music was when i was about i don't know i was a young child probably about seven or eight if i'm thinking about the time scales and my cousin richard came to visit us when he was still a youngish man and used to go out to you know before pre-children and, and domestic commitments and he'd been to see the rolling stones in london and he came to visit in his voodoo lounge t-shirt mm. and it was like who remembers voodoo lounge when i mm. told my friends this they went oh there were people in voodoo lounge t-shirts at the hyde park so they clearly still have an incredibly mm. loyal following jagger mm. is an interesting figure isn't he because he he doesn't speak that much in, he's a bit like he's a bit like the opposite to Paul McCartney in that Paul McCartney speaks quite a lot in public but as we've said previously uh, you know for completely understandable reasons mm. has adopted this sort of slightly this, this slight persona where we all know the stories that Paul's going to tell he doesn't tell very many news stories and I'm not criticizing him at all I totally get why we've talked previously about mm. why you know when you're the most when you are one of the most famous people in the world and you have been for about 60 years you know I can see why you need that sort of protective coating mm. I totally get that but Mick Jagger to me seems to take the opposite view which is I've not read many interviews with him and particularly not in the last few years he just doesn't seem to do that so much I mean he's known perhaps more as a bit of a party and they've been the model wives and all that kind of stuff but yeah I find him enigmatic because I don't really feel like I know him very well does that make any kind of sense Oh, very much. Yeah, I mean, I have some beef, as aired before, with a substantial oh, yes. portion of Rolling Stone's lyrics, largely written yes. by Mick Jagger. But I'll leave that aside for this yes. time. Um, I, I, I do think the band would be nothing without him. I, oh, I've seen them live, yes, and I, I saw them at Hyde Park uh, a, d- yeah. a decade ago. Um, and they, they are a little bit weedy um, mm. live. Um, they, they don't really sort of strike out. And they, there is really literally no charisma other than through Jagger and his no, movements. Exactly. His, his and, now, and now Charlie Watts has, got, has gone. Mm. You think, well, you haven't got that. And also, when they played Glastonbury a few years ago, I remember reading one of those lovely little tweets that is just offhand yet really wounds where someone described Keith Richards' guitar solos as approximate. And I well, thought that I, was I such a... Sure. Yeah. And they re- and the thing is, is that they really do seem like old men, and I, yes. that sounds horrible. But they, but they really, like you say, there is a weediness about them 
because the thing is is that they don't who have they got really that's hugely serious in the way of musicians and and unfortunately it became about the lifestyle and the rock and roll of the rolling stones rather than the music and you know ronnie wood and and Keith Richards, I'm thinking, and of course the loss of Charlie Watts. It stops them being a going concern to me, really, although I suspect they will get new people in. And the show will go on because I think it sort of has to for them. And again, like you say, people you can't imagine doing what else. What is Keith Richard going to do if, um, if you know, if he's if, if the Rolling Stones are not there, you know, he's he's not going to be digging roads, is he? You know, so and not that they have to, I suppose, because they've got too much money. But yeah, like you say, there was a very peculiar article. In the Guardian, I agree with you that you know they they'd be nothing without him. But they did this very old article, um, which was um, eight, Nick Jagger's eighty greatest moments at eighty, and it was just really weird. It was just eighty things written down. I didn't. I thought it was lacked complete coherence. I thought it was really weird, um, and it just felt like the ultimate clutching at straws. And maybe it kind of reflects my view that actually. Mick Jagger is so careful about what he shows in the public eye that it is just all about myth and kind of sort of legend and and vibes and not really about anything about anything um solid really to the point where you know point two on this list of eighty already feels like barrel scraping where they go Mick Jagger was always Mick Jagger and it's like I'm sorry what and then to be <laughs> fair it links to a very amusing uh, in fairness it links to a very amusing clip from ATV's Seeing Sport in 1959 it's one of those things you can't quite believe exists which was hmm. they filmed a sequence on climbing for young people in Tunbridge Wells and the presenter who's John Disney holds up Michael Jagger's foot up to show oh. his footwear and uh Mick just looks at him with complete disdain and that is genuinely quite entertaining but yeah but it's a little bit um it's just a list of assertions really it's just not I mean I agree that he had extremely good hair in the 1960s that is that is very true but um I think is um although I did enjoy this I have to say I did enjoy this this quote here where he was um you do and you do tend to present a yobbish image. One interviewer suggested this to him as the stones are breaking through, and he replied, "Moronic, I think, is a better word." <laughs> and that's such a good, that's such a good line. I suspect that Mick Jagger is much sharper and much political uh, than he lets on. And I, you know, I do really like Rolling Stones, but yeah, I've always found Jagger a bit of an enigma, and and like you say, a very very charismatic front man to watch, but. Where is the rest? Where's the kind of rest around him? Um, that it's um, it's just very um, I don't know. I find it very um. Well, it also leaves yeah. nothing without the band because you think Paul yes. McCartney has done an obviously fantastic solo career. Uh, Elton is Elton with or without a band. Dave Grohl is sort of you know runs whatever band mm. he's in. Bowie, you know, is was apart from a band. Um, Robert Plant, very much dominant figure. Um, but Jagger, again, I said, well, as, as we know, his solo career has, has just never ever taken off. His the sales of yeah. his uh, solo records have been abysmally low. So Absolutely. He, he's, strange, he's nothing without it? the band, and they're nothing mm. without him. And it's unusual, actually, to get a. I think it's slightly unusual to have a relation, a sort of band singer relationship that is so symbiotic, isn't it, really? And even, I suppose, really, when thinking about front people and, and rock and roll, etc., I, I, my brain keeps going to Oasis, which is hilarious, given that Oasis basically wanted to be the Beatles. But mm. there is something very stonish about Liam Gallagher that I've always thought. But even he has managed to, to both of the Gallagher brothers, 
their, their solo stuff sells pretty well by oh, and yeah, large. Well. Yes, the, the, you know, them and particularly Lim fall back on doing Oasis numbers live, but which I don't have any issue with actually. But um, but yeah, there is like you say, there's a sort of a, there's a symbiosis there that isn't anywhere. I, I'd struggle. I mean, you know, for all that we often talk about non-friend of the podcast Morrissey, Morrissey did have a very successful solo career out mm. of out of you know out of the Smiths. Uh, as you know, Johnny Marr has, has gone on to sell quite a lot of records and was in electronic. And it's just really interesting, isn't it, that none of them, I know that, that they've all had, you know, Ronnie Wood came from another successful band, but none of them have really had that much in the way of sort of big solo, big solo careers, isn't it? So like you say, what a curious creature, how how weirdly symbiotic. Well, also in the news this week, uh, the, the BBC mm. hierarchy. Speaking of punch-ups, yeah. Yeah, probably the BBC wish, wish it hadn't been. Radio mm. 1 DJ Ariel Free, who turned mm. up presumably to plug her own show, on Saturday yes. on dance anthems on mm. BBC Radio 1, live yes. from the Ibiza Rocks Hotel. Which and- is always... Uh, I will tell you, we'll go on to what we mean, but that Radio 1 and Ibiza have had a vexed history, to say the least. Uh, so uh, so this already set alarm bells ringing uh, me as I started well, reading this. Here's the exchange um, immediately after some bants about Ariel's voice going. Ariel says, can I be honest with you, Charlie? I expected better of you. Um, Charlie Hedges, who's a woman, says, yes. what, what to sound better like you, Ariel? <laughs> I don't like this song. Charlie, oh really? Ariel, I hate it, I'm sorry. Charlie, sorry, I'm taking your mic down. It's my show, Ariel. Have some respect, please. See you later. Get out of here. (laughs) Jules from such acorns, lifetime feuds can grow. Well, and interestingly, this may be slightly sad, um, because... You, you and indeed other listeners to the podcast may recall that I visited Wembley for the FA Cup final, the oh, women, yes. in May yes, 2023. And we were sent, you know, various blurb beforehand. And we were promised a sound flash before and at half time with Radio 1 DJs, Ariella Free and Charlie Hedges. Uh-huh. So, 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 you know. There's what, history. Yes, yeah, so although having said that, we did not we did not pick up on any vibes, although we did pick up on the fact that every record on Radio 1 now is a remix of a 90s trance song that we remember from our youth, and that made us all very old. But, um, but so, 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 yes, yeah, so, so, so sad that, you know, I remember them from happier times. Like I say, Radio 1 has had rather a vexed history with, uh, with Ibiza. Um, in that you think you could predict, you know, that, that taking a load of youngish DJs out there, filling them with booze and uh, perhaps other things, who knows, um, might not necessarily make for excellent radio. I was telling this, talking to my girlfriend about this last night because I mentioned it because we'd been there. And I, do you remember the curious tale of Lisa Ianson? Lisa oh, Ianson. Yes, was she went lunch- overboard with the yes. celebrating. And overslept and missed her show. Was, yes. Did not, woke up at the end. And... She wasn't sacked from Radio 1 immediately, but when her contract came up for renewal, Radio 1 chose not to take the opportunity to renew it. And the best thing about that was she over she overslept her, and I can't remember which hotel it was. It might have been the Manumission Hotel, which was oh, itself a rather notorious, which whichever hotel it was, had a fake blue chat plaque for some years up on the outside of their walls saying Lisa Ianson overslept here in 1998 or whatever it was, which I've always quite enjoyed as a thing. Also, a 
apparently it was alleged that Zoe Ball first met her, the man that went on to become her husband, Norman Cook, at mm-hmm. Ibiza, um, a Radio One going to Ibiza, and he said the immortal words, "Do you fancy not going to bed with me?" And uh, she stayed up all night, arrived to do her show at five minutes to seven. I mean, it started at seven, so why rush? And um, was uh, sick into a bin during the oh. first record, I think. So, so I don't know why Radio One never learned that taking people out to, to Ibiza <laughs> did not end well. Ariel, bless her, sounded well to, to quote <laughs> again. Do you remember Delia Smith of Let's Be Avenue? Oh, I do. Yeah. Well, you know, and I remember it, it, it was clear that she'd had assistance that day, hadn't she, in, in, yeah. her, in her mood? And it was when dear George Best was still alive. And he was on Sky as a pundit and commented on the thing that unfurled and said she looked like she'd had a liquid lunch. And to be honest, if George Bess, king of the liquid lunches, is assessing you to have had liquid lunch, maybe it's time that you dial back a bit. And I felt that Ariel had sort of shades of Delia in how she sounded. Um, I think Charlie Hedges did quite well to rush her off. And actually, you did read the transcript fairly well. But what, what didn't quite come across there was that Ariel interrupted her a couple of times oh, as right. well and so between i've actually heard the footage i haven't between, heard it right and between her going i don't like this song and charlie hedges getting her out she they're, they're, she was pissed <laughs> i mean that was that was where she was wasn't she and that was i'm sorry to be so so blunt but you know she was she'd had a, she'd had a liquid lunch charlie hedges was right to get her out i noticed that ariella has not appeared on radio one since she has not been on Instagram for the last four days. She's a working DJ. She has been at festivals all summer. She's got her own label. She's playing her own records. She played on the Friday night and the Saturday night. She was tired and emotional, and it was an unfortunate incident. And I have to say, I thought Charlie Hedges, when I heard the footage, was pretty professional and pretty sensible in the way that she got her off. Also, it gave gave myself hope that they're 36 and 37. So, as my darling girlfriend put it, maybe you're not too old for Radio 1 after all, dear. Thanks for that. But... um. But yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's sort of it was car crash radio in the truest sense. In that I didn't really want to hear it, but equally I couldn't quite stop listening to it. So um, I hope that that um, and we haven't had we haven't had a this is not who I am yet from Ariella, which makes me think I wonder if the problems are somewhat deeper. Um, yeah. I'm not sure, but um, yes, I hope she's okay. Is what I would say actually, in all seriousness, because that's mm. not the behaviour of someone. You know, she she's been you know she does a lot of radio on dance anthem stuff. You know, she she's a she's a good DJ. She pulls in big crowds. She pulled in huge crowds at Glastonbury. I hope that all's okay and that she can she can sort of um if this is symptomatic of a wider problem, I hope it can be sorted out. I remember being at a charity dinner some years mm. ago, many years ago. Uh, again, uh, again, I'm already panicking. There is just something about those words <laughs> making me think, oh, God, yes. Well, I was seated next to Diddy David Hamilton. Oh, wow. Gosh, this was so much of its time, isn't it? It really was, yes. Well. And he regaled our table with stories of feuds at Radio oh, I 1. Oh, bet, yes. Um, there was, of course, John Peel's childish campaign against Tony Blackburn. Um, yes. Liz Kershaw couldn't abide Dave Lee Travis for very good reasons. Yes, quite. Um, but I recall David Hamilton saying Simon Bates and Steve Wright were never on speaking terms, which was yeah, unusual. Of course, more latterly, there was the breakup of the on-air chums, Chris Moyles and Dave Vitti. Yes, so, that r- involved, r- 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 involved Dave Vitti's ex-wife, I believe. Yes, there, who, there who became some... close. 
Yeah. Chris Boyles. Uh, uh, yes, indeed. You know, Radio One has got quite the history with feuds, and it, well, it seems nothing changes. Well, uh, I think it's it's a it's it's a mix of it's it's a toxic mix of very highly paid egos that also have to appear quote unquote cool, and that mm. is that is difficult, isn't it? Really, it's um. They, oh, there have been there have been tense on air exchanges elsewhere at Five Live as part of the uh, Nicky Campbell blundering into the difficulties surrounding Fee Glover and Victoria Derbyshire at the time. I mean, it's that was pretty, um, that was pretty excruciating. So, so, you know, may, maybe radio is a world, particularly, I think, particularly sort of what I would say presenting type radio as well. So I do actually put Five Live into that as well as the music channels of one and two. There is just something about it. And one thing that I did enjoy about this actually is as you know, I genuinely love radio and I feel increasingly like it's a bit of a bygone age. And and we've talked about podcasts and, and Radio 4 and, you know, is this sustainable in the future? And it did make me it, it did make me think, oh, there's life in the old dog yet. If, you know, if, if if presenters are still falling out on air, you know, that's still quite exciting, isn't it? I, I You know, I, I, I do feel a little bit like a child shouting fight in a playground. But you know what I mean? There is something there is something that's a bit um, it shows that, that there is still jeopardy around live radio. Radio, although I suspect, like you say, Radio One would not have wanted it in this way, and I suspect that that Ariella Free might be repenting at leisure now. <laughs> Coming next, more Star versus the Audience um, shenanigans. <laughs> yes. At live gigs, and we say farewell to Randy Meisner. That's next after Gombie.
I really like that song. I've had it in my head all week. Um, it comes from an album that I don't want to say it was disappointing, but um, it was um from an album that um sort of followed up a um a, a run of very successful both commercially and critically acclaimed albums. Um, it came from um. The Garbage's a difficult third studio album, Beautiful Garbage, which followed the incredibly successful version 2.0 and uh, and Garbage, or I think it was just called G before that. And um, it's brilliant. It's a great song, this, but the album itself, um, yeah, the album itself struggled to find a bit of a place, I think, really. It suffered from lack of promotion. Um, Androgyny, the lead single, didn't achieve high, high sort of uh, high chart positions. I think a lot of albums of late 90s, early noughties suffered in the same way that the wrong singles were picked. And if they'd have led off with that, I think it might have been much more successful because I think that's a really delightful. There's shades of 60s pop in it, I think. And I, I just I think that is a very underrated tune. That was Breaking Up the Girl from Beautiful Garbage by Garbage. Well, I agree. It's one of my favourite singles of theirs. Garbage. Mm. Peculiar, really. So much more popular over here than their Native America. It's yes. A, it's an, a, an anomaly, Jules. It, it might not be immediately apparent that there is a link between Cardi B and Jamie <laughs> Carragher. I mean, no, um, apart from that, some of yeah. the letters are the same. But no, yeah, apart exactly. from that, yeah, I'm yeah. not really seeing it. But, but tell me. But, but yes, everybody bear with me with this for a moment. Yeah, go on. Way, way back in, way, way back in January 2002, Liverpool went to Highbury to play Arsenal in an mm. FA Cup game. And with 20 minutes to go, a very young JB Carragher was over yes. by the touchline and was hit by several missiles, including a coin thrown by people in the crowd. And Carragher lost his temper and threw the coin with great force back oh, into dear. the crowd, hitting an entirely innocent woman. Luckily, luckily she wasn't seriously hurt. Um, Liverpool lost 1-0. Arsenal identified the 19-year-old bloke who originally threw the coin, banned him from life, banned him for life, I should say. Mm. Um, I was reminded uh, of, of this inappropriate tit-for-tat. Um, this week after an instant egg kick in Las Vegas and we've mm. chatted recently about bizarre fan behaviour yes. someone throwing their mother's ashes on stage at a pink gig in, in <laughs> and, the park. and presenting her with a wheel of brie <laughs> let's a, not a, forget a, a wheel of brie indeed well it is, it, similarities to the Carragher instant we've reached a new level here because Cardi B was performing at Las Vegas uh, uh, earlier in the week. Some idiotic person threw a drink at her. Oh, uh, terrible so. behaviour. But yes. in a Carragher-style um, act of revenge, <laughs> Cardi B flung her microphone into the crowd, which, by the way, the police um, investigated this week. No further action is the... Uh, Funny that, yes, yeah. Jules, we're reaching the point where you need to wear body armour to attend a gig. I know, absolutely. I mean, I very much enjoy, I often enjoy, I often say that Adele could have been a stand-up comedian if she was not a singist, because she really does have a way with words. She's also had a Las Vegas residency that had an abortive start that we talked about on uh, uh, Parish Council Passim. But um, she was quoted as saying last month during her Las Vegas residency, Adele told her audience, have you noticed how people are like forgetting show etiquette at the moment? People just throwing swear word on stage. Have you seen them? Dare you to throw something at me and I'll kill you, which I very much enjoy as a kind of, you know, Adele has sat out her stool here. Um, but yes, like you say, there's a real kind of... Um, there was a really interesting piece in The Guardian this week, actually. Um, the uh, bad behaviour at concerts becoming normalised. And when, again, we spoke about about Pink, um, also 
Harry Styles hit in the eye with a sweet in Vienna. Be- Bebe Rexa received stitches after she was hit in the face with a mobile phone in New York, pink and the ashes. And Ava Max slapped mid-song by a concert goer in LA. The man charged with assault over the Rexa incident later said he threw his phone because he thought, quote, it would be funny. Oh, um, so we've got Sam Hallison, who's head of events at independent music store chain Rough Trade, said this kind of disrespectful behaviour has become the new norm at live performances, but it must stop for the sake of uh, an artist and crowd safety. And it's interesting, I think we've spoken previously, that social media is perhaps partly behind this, in that fans are trying to become part of the show and to go viral, quote unquote. One interesting response to this is that, Artists with big fan bases. So Taylor Swift fans have created their own concert etiquette guide to kind of circulate them. I mean, it makes me very sad and confused press that we've reached this stage where people literally have to be reminded how to behave. But... um, We've got an interesting quote here from Lucy, Dr. Lucy Bennett, who's a lecturer at Cardiff University, and she studies the relationship between fans and musicians. And she thinks that uh, collective action by fans might be the answer to this, and it creates a sense of belonging within their community and allows them to respect their identity and express it. So, yeah, it seems very strange, doesn't it? Um, but, yeah, this is my my view anyway. So, um, so yeah. Um, Yes, it's it seems very odd, doesn't it? But maybe fans of the maybe once again the Swift is the answer. One curious extra point uh, that I noticed looking at the video or fan fan filmed coverage of this, it's it's notable that Cardi B's vocals continue to be heard through the PA even after she threw the microphone into the crowd. Wow, I, I'm, I'm just saying. Yes. That's funny, isn't it? Yeah. That, that, yeah, just, you, you wonder where it's all going to end, and I, I rather mm. fear the worst. But um, yeah, Randy Meisner this week, founding founding member of the Eagles, he died this week, age 77. Um, and, and basically, and I'm, I'm sorry to have to put it this way, a very sad life. After playing in Linda Ronstadt's backing band with Don Henley, Glenn Frey and Bernie mm. Ledden, they formed the Eagles. But it quickly all became fractious because Ledden and Meisner felt that Henley and Frey were taking all the glory and the songwriting royalties. And Meisner only gets the odd song or two on onto all the albums mm. he's on. I mean, he it finds is a he, shame. It it's, is. It's George I mean, Harrison syndrome. It is really? very similar, very similar. Um, he quit, Meisner quit after Hotel California when the same issues emerged. And here's the thing. For the next 46 years, he hardly did anything. I saw an interview with Randy Meisner on TV about 10 years ago, and he was cheerful in the interview about how everything had, went wrong. And now, I mean... I, I wasn't sure whether to mention this or not, but I'm going to, having said, should I mention it? A terrible incident in 2016. His wife shot herself accidentally at home. Oh, my gosh. I'm she so was, sorry. Yeah, she was moving a rifle, which inexplicably was loaded. I mean, this and, goes to show why guns are dangerous. Well, but anyway, that's so, a different really. conversation. To us over here in England, this is astonishing because we just don't have guns because it's commonplace in America. Some item, some other item in the case that the rifle was in shifted by a million to one chance, hit the trigger and fired. And a oh. fatal result for Lana Meisner, a dreadful occurrence. Terrible, terrible. Uh, I am so sorry. So an, another example, an extreme one of, of a life really unhappily lived. 
absolutely which is such a shame because as you say he's such a um such a sort of key member of the Eagles that and I think we talked about it with Andy Rook from the Smiths as well that just didn't find a place after that really that was an important part of a um um of, of that and was described as the sweetest man in the music business by former bandmate Don Felder lovely harmonies um like you say terrible tragedies um just you know like you say just I feel really sad that you know I feel it really sad when people just have people's lives almost sort of um they sort of peak early on don't they and that's a particularly sort of people in the music industry and it's it's yeah I'm just really really sorry um yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, it's just what a sad story. That's really knocked me that. I don't know why, but it just, and also it just, it makes me angry about gun control and things like that as well. So it's, yeah, so sorry. it's, it's, yeah, I am so sorry. I'm sorry that Randy Meisner had a had an unhappy life in the latter years, but I really just, hope he's at peace now. There's one part of uh, Randy Meisner's personality that I really empathise mm. with it. I mean, it seems that in the Eagles, that everything came to a head in the Hotel California tour of 1977, and mm. uh, I mentioned that. And mm. Ran- Randy Meisner used to sing "Take It to the Limit" as one of their three encores. It was the first of the three. Oh encores. yes. But he suffered from not not really stage fright, but a form mm. of shyness that he hid mm. under the rock star surface. And this is where I have real real empathy, as I say, with this. When you do work in the public arena, people mm. assume you're very much an extrovert, outgoing yes. person, as people do with with me. You know, before they meet me, but I'm actually rather a shy person who quite mm. often I don't I'm not comfortable with doing things where I'm going to be center of attention and it's why i've never done stage work in my whole Mm. career i'm shy um and so Mm. was randy meisner and it turns out one night he said he didn't think he could perform take it to the limit he was sort of suffering from the Mm. shots but unfortunately it's 1977 fists flew uh words no and he left the Eagles. So, yeah, Jules, oh, I'm, I'm just saying I understand his feelings. You Absolutely, know? yes. And and actually, strangely, and I know that, isn't it strange that, you know, you and I, we, we do this podcast, don't we? Mm. We've done presenting on the radio, both of us, and, and okay. we do all that sort of stuff. But I, I, my friend Tim and I have, have spoken about this before, and I think Lucy Worsley has expressed this as well. Often, if you, if you would do extroverted things, people assume that you are an extrovert. And Tim and I describe it as shy show-off syndrome, where you say, hey, mm. everybody, look at me. Oh, my God people are looking at me and yes like like you I find myself sometimes you know people that know me well know that I'm not as extroverted as people might think I am really that I am at a personal level like you say I can be quite shy as well and yes so like you I I very much I'd welcome Randy as as one into our shy show-off gang and I am I am sorry that like you say that Randy that that you know we were we were living in a time then when you know it wasn't okay not to be okay to exactly. use the mental health thing. And, and you know, <laughs> that's the thing, isn't it? I know people got all these cosseted rock stars, but it's very, um, it is what it is, isn't it, really? It's it's very, um, there's just something that's, 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 that's very, um, like you say, very moving about the fact that, you know, it's still a job at the end of the day, isn't it? And, you know, as you said, if you're not feeling great, you're thinking, oh, I don't think I can do this tonight, for there to then be a fist fight and you be thrown out of a band is really poor isn't it really and it shows that that you know for all of the hippie way in which the lot of the laurel canyon band starts off because the eagles were of course a laurel canyon band originally and for all that those bands started off with the hippie ideals some of them became pretty hard-headed businesses didn't they and the eagles really a good example of that i think 
yeah, very much so. Um, well, coming coming right up are our mm. football predictions just ahead oh, of the 23-24 season. Strap in, everyone, yeah. But before that, here is Randy Meisner. Just This is just days before he left the Eagles. And here he is successfully singing lead vocals on Take It to the Limit. And honestly, I genuinely have to ask you, have you ha- ever heard such a beautiful live vocal performance from 1977 in Washington DC the Eagles
second. What an absolutely captivating performance. Yeah, so true. Randy Meisner on lead vocal, the Capitol Theatre in Washington, D.C., mm. live in 1977, the Eagles and Take It to the Limit. Marvellous. Now, it's that time again when we make ourselves mm. potentially at least look complete Egypts yes. with our Premier League predictions for the season that starts next weekend as we record this. I know, I can't believe it. Just It's like Christmas. It rolls around quicker every year. We have our Chelsea season tickets. They've arrived this week. Mm. They're, well they're not tickets they're little cards these days credit cards yes sites, i was gonna uh, say there's there's much more plastic about it yeah, indeed yeah. I, i've pre- already booked in to see my first qpr game of the season i will be experiencing qpr ipswich so that will be exciting previous year's uh predictions well they veered between awful and mm, okay um yes we have five uh, categories to fill Mm. And I must must say, each year this seems to get harder and harder, George. Yes, the, the very much. The quality of the teams and unpredictability yes. seems to increase. Don't know if you feel that. Yes, I do. Absolutely. Well, firstly, uh, I've got a pencil and notepad because I've got to write down what you say. Here I am. I'm ready. Firstly, we always dip into the championship and mm. try to figure out who will win it. Last year we did quite well with this. But what about 23-24? Who's the winner of the championship, Jules? Well, I could be very wrong about this. Um, who knows? I mean, it seems very likely. I think Southampton will have bounce back ability, and I think that they will bounce back up to the Premier League. I think that Southampton will win the will win the championship. Well, that's funny you say that because I think there is a very real possibility of the three that were relegated last season going back up again, being the top three in the championship. Absolutely, They join that small band of clubs too good for the championship, not good enough for the Premier League. It's it's Norwich syndrome, isn't it? I it's think. it's so, not exactly uh, yes. Norwich syndrome. You couldn't have picked a better example. Well, I'm along the same theme as you. I'm boldly going for a top three of third Southampton, second Leeds and first Leicester City. Yes. So I, I, we're, I, we're of, of a similar thought. Yes, I am denied about Leicester. I feel their problems may be a bit too endemic, Could but be. um, but but it'll be interesting to see. But yes, I think we are in yo-yo territory for sure. Very much. Always of interest, usually unpredictable. The first Premiership manager to leave his role, sacked or departed by other means, Jules. Mm, do you know? I'm going to go slightly, slightly out there here because it might not. It's because I feel that people feel it might not. It might not. Um befit this team that are now big spending but because Ooh. this team are now big spending and therefore need results quote unquote i think eddie howe could come a cropper Ooh. at newcastle if things don't bold. go well bold. if things don't go well very early on i could sense the new owners losing some patience and i know that newcastle had a fantastic season last season and it might well be that i'm completely wrong on mean. this but, but yeah. it's the sort of situation like five, five games in and like yes and the a, fans a draw are and combustible and, yeah. and 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 also I, I did have one moment of excellence on this podcast some years ago where I predicted Jose Mourinho beginning yes. the push from Manchester United and I wonder if there might be some sort of I just I just feel that the, the game has changed so quickly at Newcastle, but I think that the, that the owners have become accustomed to it extremely quickly. And I I I, I really like Eddie Howe actually, and I, I was always surprised that he didn't get a job after Bournemouth quicker. I actually thought he was right to leave Bournemouth when they got relegated. I, I completely understood that he's an excellent young manager, but. And I really hope this doesn't work out like it does. But I just feel that something could. I mean, I could be completely wrong. Newcastle might end up winning it. I might look a complete idiot as always. But I just feel there is the potential for disaster there. 
Yeah, no, that's that's a very bold, but I think I see your logic. I mean, um, why not? Give it a go, because because I'm probably going to be wrong whatever I say, so I might as well be really properly wrong. So let's try that. Well, although the managers of Luton, Sheffield United, Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth are all probably amongst the favourites, yes. I'm going for Julien Lopetegui. Uh, oh, that was my second choice. That was that was the other one that I am denied about. But I just thought that you'd say something sensible, so I'd say something <laughs> a bit mad. <laughs> well, I think Wolves owners, are like like you say, yes. you refer to trigger happy like the Newcastle, yes. and will panic before the. I think they'll panic before the uh, other ones that I mentioned. Yeah, though. I think I think that's almost yeah. certainly spot on. And what a shame that Watford got got relegated because now we can't predict the manager of Watford, which <laughs> seems to change every three weeks. Weeks, as my friend put it, we will all be managers of Watford at some point. Everyone will be manager of Watford for 15 minutes in their own lifetime. So, uh, yes, yeah, sorry not to be able to predict Watford, which is always the safest of bets, isn't it? We, we pick a surprise side, one that will hmm. do well from out of the blue. I, I feel we may have to review this category in the future. Is it, it, no because longer, everyone's a surprise exactly, side now, aren't they? Exactly. So it's no, not, no longer feels a surprise to see a lesser uh, favoured, fancied hmm, team in the exactly. top ten. But um, just keeping to, to, to tradition for this year, which team will surprise us this year then, Jules? Well, it's difficult to say, but um, I think Fulham might be worth a look, possibly. I think they're the sort of team that might might go on a run, I think. Again, like you say, really difficult. I could say Brentford, but then they've sort of been a surprise team already. At what t- point does a team stop being a surprise? But yeah, mate, let's try Fulham and see how they get on. Well, I feel... Well, my candidates are Burnley, um, being mm. they've been promoted. Vincent Company yes. performed magic there last season. Very true. Very. They true. don't have many star names, but they have a sort of doggedness of approach yes. that might yes. help them. And I think even surviving, or certainly if they get to mid-table, that would be a good year's. That would be a big. That would be a, a, a big thing, I think. And yes, they, they like you said, were excellent last season. Yeah. Um, I think that that could well be a good shout. I think. Who will fill the relegation places, George? I think there are more candidates candidates than um, than ever. This yes, season. I have. I have. So for the placings, I have turned to a supercomputer to predict because I will never get it right. So I'm outsourcing my 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 position predictions this season to a suitor, a supercomputer, um, which calculates on various things. Um, this is taken from. Betting expert, betting tips website via the mag, programmed its supercomputer to predict the full 2023-24 Premier League standings. Some of them I disagree with, but I'm going to stick with the placings. So the supercomputer predicts um, 20th place going to Luton, I'm afraid, um, 19th place going to Sheffield United and 18th place going to Nottingham Forest, not being able to hang on again this season with Bournemouth in 17th and Wolverhampton in 16th. And I think that's probably about right. We are so close. I mean, we should stress, as we do every year, we don't discuss this We don't this confirm before. beforehand, no. No. I've got Luton at 20th, same as you. Sheffield yes. United at 19th, same as you. I'm just going for Bournemouth's luck to, to yes. come to an end. Yeah, um, I, I mean, can certainly see Nottingham Forest going down. But um, Bournemouth, and I too have Wolves, as my sort of outsiders, if, yes. if, Bournemouth don't, if it all uh, goes a bit wrong, absolutely, yeah. particularly if the manager prediction comes to pass. As so, well, very similar, yeah. you, um, Luton Bottom, Sheffield United, and Nottingham Forest working upwards, me, Luton, Sheffield United, and Bournemouth. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, well, I, I think, funnily enough, just looking at that uh, together, I just think those two bottom places, Luton to finish rock bottom, Sheffield United, yes. are, are sort of guaranteed. That's the, that's well, the well according, thing. according to these predicted percentage odds, um, Luton uh, finish bottom, the percentage odds this site has it is 33.4%. So uh, so I think that is, um, yeah. that is, and they've got Sheffield United on 26.6% to finish bottom. And then in line exactly with what you say in terms of the bottom two, places being perhaps more sure nottingham forest uh, the, the next most likely finishing bottom is 10 percent. so there's a 16 yeah, percent gap, gap between between the bottom the bottom their bottom bottom two and then the bottom the third bottom so yes i would love luton to be able to stay up i've got good friends in luton i think it's wonderful that a team with a ground that small are able to get up um but i just you know it it just feels like there's just too much of a gap but um but who knows Top four placings in the Premier League, perhaps apart from the winners, the other mm. three spots harder than ever to place, yes. I think, Jules. I would say so. Um okay, so I'm gonna I am gonna stick with the top I'm gonna stick with the top three from the supercomputer, but I am going to switch on the so I'm gonna switch the fourth place team. I'm gonna switch I'm gonna pr- promote the eighth place team up to fourth and bump everybody down a thing. So I think my fourth place team, and again, I could have this really wrong, but I think they've been on a roll for a while and I think it's only going to get better. I think Brighton have got a good chance. Wow, this is bold this from you this year. I think, I think so. I mean, they, they did very well last season. They've got a great setup, I think. And I think that Brighton could do it. You know, I think Brighton, I think, wow. I, I think they could. They, the supercomputer has them as That's finishing. some big names you're going to be leaving out then. And no, exactly. And so as a result of which, I think I'm going to push Manchester United out of their fourth spot on the computer system, round to prediction system, down to fifth. So I think that I'm going to, I, you know, I might be wanting this rather than rather than it happening. But I don't think it's I don't think it's unreasonable. So I'm going to put Brighton in fourth. I'm going to put Liverpool in third. I think that they, they will recover from their previous chaos because in Klopp we trust. I'm going to put Arsenal in second again. And I can't see past Manchester City. And so I'm sorry not to include your Chelsea in this city. They may well yet prove me wrong. But yeah, fairly predictable top three. But yeah, I hope Brighton can do it. So I'm going to I'm going to go bold and say, let's try Brighton in fourth. Well, here we are. I have put my Chelsea in at number four, please. Oh, yeah, fair um, enough. That could that could that could please. be reasonable. So, you know, um, yes, I'm sorry. I don't want to upset <laughs> you, Satine. So. I, I've been very, very predictable. Manchester United at three. Um, yes. And then following you, I've got the same as last year, Arsenal second and, of course, Man City to win it. You can't see past the top mm. uh, top place, certainly, can you? I mean, Man City no, exactly. is surely going to stroll it. So that'll be interesting. We'll see um, at the end of the season if once again we are um, champions or Egypts. Um, I'll, I'll keep that close to mm. hand. To look Absolutely. At. I mean, I, I suspect I know what the what the outcome <laughs> of this will be. And also my apologies in, in advance to our friend Joe for once again leaving out her Tottenham. But yes. my feeling is that if they lose Kane, and they almost certainly will because I put a 20p bet on that they wouldn't at the start of the summer, so they almost inevitably will. Um, I did get some money off Mason Mount moving, but um, but it's it's yeah, I, I because because of that. 
And also, my hairdresser is a Tottenham supporter. And Tottenham, one of those teams that have been bubbling under for so long. But she is very negative. And her view is they can do what they want with the manager. They can do what they want with, with the players. She doesn't like Levy at all and thinks that he is the perpetual problem and that nothing will change until he goes. So, and I find it, you know, I've, I've had, you know, I've had a lot of this, city. I've been brainwashed by my hairdresser into this. So apologies, Joe. Yeah. But uh, we will see. Well, thanks very much for listening this week. Good to have you there. Very much agree. Never in any relegation doubt. It's Juliet's radio show. Ah, that's too kind. Thank you, Sir Terence. Yes, smooth sailing, 7-9pm, Sunday evenings. Yacht Rock, M-O-R, A-O-R. All kinds of cornucopia of delights, of the music that is both relaxing and uplifting, and me being me. What more could one ask for on noiseboxradio.com? To play us out... Some dinosaurs, dinosaurs of rock. <laughs> Indeed, yes, a very, very perfectly put. Although not so much dinosaurs of rock no. as dinosaurs of, of, you know, sort of mildly popular electro from about a decade ago. And my finger is is not, you know, it's on the body if not on the pulse as always. But um, yes, rather a fan of this song, which I I was reminded of earlier this week. Um. Totally enormous extinct dinosaurs is the name of the alias. And you think that is complicated for an alias, given that this man is originally called Orlando Tobias Edward Higginbottom. Perhaps <laughs> it's, you know, perhaps it's, you know, it, it is at least less complicated than his actual name, albeit not by much. Um, from London, England, genres. Who knew Future House was a genre? Apparently it is, Sir Terence. Um, uh, active, it's still active as a DJ and producer. And this is one of those songs that was everywhere. It was all over adverts. It was when the TV programme Skins was popular amongst the young people. It was used on that. I think it's been used on a phone advert. It's got a really nice vibe to it, and I really like it. I'm sorry that he he didn't really have any sort of huge hits after that, really. There were, there were, there were 10 years between albums. There were a few EPs in between. But yes, it's had sort of, you know, a decade off. And then sort of popped back. Why not? You know, I, I, I'm a big fan. So we'd like to hear the, the new the new songs soon. But uh, in the meantime, probably T.E.E.D.'s most known moment. This is Garden. Thinking you should have let me have it all
if you're coming around again Tell me how you feel Cause I need to know, know, know Listening to a Parish Council production.